Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Have You Seen That with T. It We are finally back. It's been a few weeks. Every time I decide that I want to do this podcast with this new schedule of mine, I got to do right, guys. I got to do better. Um, my health has been kind of failing me the last few weeks. Everyone in my house seems to be getting sick again, and I don't like it. Uh, if you can't tell by my voice, I'm kind of finally getting it back. And here we are, right? So we have missed three weeks of just phenomenal movies, um, not-so-phenomenal movies, and everything in between. But this week, we major. Just like Nas and Kanye said, um, Jonathan Majors, man, let's talk about it, right? Jonathan Majors uh, is really at the forefront of a lot of things this year. Um, you know, he starred in two mega blockbusters. Uh, you got Ant-Man and Wasp, and then uh, the recently dropped Creed III. Um, in both of those movies, he really he really was the star. You know, he really outshone everyone uh, on the screen. And we're just going to talk a little bit about that brother today um, because I'm just, I'm super impressed. <clears throat> and I've been super impressed with the with him ever since I first saw him in the Five Bloods, right? That was the first movie that I remember seeing Jonathan Majors. And the first thing, I'm not going to lie, the first thing I remember saying to myself as I saw him on the screen is there was so many black stars in this movie, right? Um, you know, the great Delroy Lindo, and I to this day think he got robbed of any you know, Oscar uh, consideration because he was just so amazing in that movie. Um, but Jonathan Majors played his son, and he was kind of this scary kid, um, you know, out out of, you know, way out of his element, <clears throat> helping his dad and his friends, uh, you know, in Vietnam. And the first thing I remember seeing when I saw him on the screen was like, damn, this dude has a big-ass nose, right? And that coming from me is saying a lot because I have a big-ass nose as well. Um, but the reason why it really stuck out to me was the fact that we just didn't see that in movies, right? He he had a very distinctive look to him. He was a black man, right? He wasn't... Uh, you know, a cookie cutter. He wasn't like that. He didn't have that Hollywood look, so to speak. You know, he looked like a brother who lived right next door to you, right? Uh, and I like that. I said, man, you know, this guy's been cast in this movie. I appreciate that. And I thought because it was Spike Lee, you know, Spike Lee is, is you know, um, un unapologetically black. Uh, and casting Jonathan Majors, I said, man, he's doing this kid a solid because he just doesn't look like a typical Hollywood star. But what he did bring in that movie was he brought it, right? He was a phenomenal character. Um, he brought a lot of range. Uh, and then, you know, the next year he gets cast in the, uh, or next year, The Heart of They Fall come out. And all I thought was, man, we got a star in our hands because he carried, he, I mean, he didn't carry that movie. It was a very big ensemble cast but he played you know one of the main characters he was the hero he was the protagonist and he did so well I mean he he really did carry that movie uh him and Idris Elba then of course Queen Regina King you know uh just everyone Lakeith Stansfield like that that one of my favorite movies of 2020 was uh The Heart of They Fall and Jonathan Majors played a big part of that and and 
I said, man, this kid is coming. Like he, he you know, uh, the more people give him chances, he's going to knock those chances out of the water. And that's what exactly what he did. Um, you know, uh, we found out he was going to be cast as Kang the Conqueror. Um, and then the, the series Loki came around and people, there was a rumbling that he was going to, you know, Kang was going to show up on Loki. And I got hype. I'm like, man, you know, Kang is going to show up on Loki. He's going to like show up in the last scene or he's going to show up at the very end and, you know, just kind of, you know, be become the big bad, kind of like Thanos, you know, uh, showed up at the end of, of of the Avengers and said, you know, I'll do it myself. Um, and that's complete the complete opposite of what Jonathan Majors did in Loki. Um, he played a variant, and and of course, you know, me going into that, don't don't give me lying to you as if I've read Kang comic books and I know exactly what he stands for. You know, I'm getting my information from the internet just like most people are. Um, and his portrayal of He Who Remains in, in the Loki series was just so different. It, it like, And that's what I loved. He, he was comedic. He was very uh, whimsical. And it was just like, man, okay, this guy has range, but is he going to be the bad guy? Like, uh, you know... Uh, you assume he's gonna be he's gonna be just like Thanos, right? Thanos kind of set the bar so high um, that it really becomes hard uh, to follow that, right? Endgame really set the bar so extremely high, and that's why Phase Four really um, has been lacking uh, ever since Endgame. Uh, but once again, you know, in in the series, I mean, just his portrayal of He Who Remains and how he you know, he played that variant should have foreshadowed what was to come, right? And then, of course, they announced all of this. The Kang Dynasty is the next Avengers movie, um, you know, and the Secret Wars and all of these different things that uh, really are going to revolve around him, this singular actor, not a CGI actor, right? Not, not Thanos, you know. Uh, Josh Brolin, for all intents and purposes, was just a voice, um, you know, Thanos was completely CGI, but this guy is real. He's a guy, you know, and, and uh, you know, just seeing what we saw in, in the Loki series, it it had me interested, right? You know, it didn't really wow me to the point where it's like, okay, I have to see this. It had me interested. It, it, caught, it piqued my interest because it was so different than what I was expecting, Um so I was definitely interested on where they were where where they were gonna go with Kang, and how they were gonna get there. And I was really disappointed when I did hear that you know Kang was gonna be part of this Ant Man movie because I just don't believe in Ant Man. Uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> Spider Man right is your neighborhood Spider Man. Ant Man is a very low-budget character. Spider-Man can... I believe that Spider-Man can beat Kingpin or he can beat, you know, these world-beating villains. Uh, but I just never believed that that man can do it, right? And and it's not because his lack of powers. It's just uh, the character and Paul Rudd, like, they don't... They don't exude seriousness. They don't exude fear, right? They're not, they're not Robert Pattinson with the boots... And Batman, you know, and the Batman. Um, so, 
yeah, I just wasn't enthusiastic about seeing Kang um, in the Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania until I saw one of the commercials where I saw him just literally beating the life out of of uh, Ant-Man. So going into Ant-Man, and I'm about to get into some spoilers. You've had your two weeks um, to watch Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania. I'm just going to do my review right here. And we're going to talk about some things that I just didn't like, that I didn't agree with in the movie. Um, <clears throat> so Ant-Man uh, and Wasp, Quantumania, the third Ant-Man movie in the Ant-Man trilogy. Uh, hopefully the swan song for Ant-Man. I just don't really see, uh, you know, too much space for him to continue to make these movies moving forward. Paul Rudd's not getting any younger. Um, I'm assuming that Catherine Newton is going to take the realms, um, you know, as as a uh, as the new Ant Man or Ant Woman. I can't remember her name in the comics. I do know she, you know, in the movie she got a suit, but in the movie um, she creates a walkie-talkie to the quantum realm, in which Kang, the type, uh, you know, the villain, uh, you know, latches onto that signal and zaps. You know, uh, Hank, um, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, the mother, um, the Wasp, and Ant-Man and his daughter, uh, you know, zapped them all to the quantum realm. And they got broken up in the quantum realm because, of course, they had to get broken up in the quantum realm. So you can have two teams uh, trying to get back to each other. And then we learn the backstory of what happened to Michelle Pfeiffer during her time in the quantum realm, which was one of my biggest gripes with the movie. Um, you know, it just took too long. The whole foreshadowing thing where she refused to talk about it, it, it got annoying after the first beat. Like after the first time someone asked her what happened or, or she's showing all these secret handshakes and stuff, you know, knowing that, uh, pretty much letting the audience know and letting their family know that, hey, you know, she's been here before um, and everybody respects her and everybody kind of knows her. Um, it was just a whole, you know, beating around a bush to get to the point. I never understand that in movies. And I don't like I, I don't know. I mean, do people really do that to where like they they hide their hand like for forever until you get forced like you get physically forced to tell people the truth like it's really it's not that complicated hey i was here before i met this guy and i made a mistake let's get past this and get like the longer you keep the secret the more danger you put your family in which is a terrible writing trope uh, for a lot of these action movies and a lot of these superhero movies where people hold on to these these uh secrets that really could get people killed. Like that's not really heroic, you know. <laughs> you know, like holding on to that secret that you're like the most wanted person here could have gotten your entire family killed. Like so, it it just didn't make any sense to me. Um, and her character, like I, I did read online, you know, everybody was saying she played such a great role, but I really resented her character the most because of just the secrecy. Like get to it, like that. You've been in the quantum world for however many years you were there. Um, it it is understood that, that you know things happen while you were there. Just tell people. It's not you know I understand it might be painful for for her to bring it up, but once you're there, you're there. You know your family's in danger. Let's let's get to it. Let's figure it out. Because 
I mean, those people are there to help you. They're there to protect you and hiding the secrets from them. And that, that drove a wedge between her and her daughter. And it just it just made the, it just made her character a little annoying to me. Uh, because it was she was just holding on to this and just kind of wasting time. And I get it, that's part of what keeps this supposed to keep the audience interested. But it made me disinterested because we're, we're this is part three. This is not part one. This is not an origin story. Like we don't need to. We we all know Kang is going to be the bad guy. Why? Like foreshadowing it so much just didn't make it any bigger to me. The whole bringing out Bill Murray didn't make anything more important to me. It just it just was stalling. Like it was just right stalling for time. To get to the point where we get to Kang, <clears throat> and it just it 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 really did ruin a lot of the movie for me. Like it was just poor writing, um, you know. It it just dumbing it down to Marvel the movie. Um, it, it just it it really did ruin it for me. Um, Ant Man just his his character arc was really. You know, he just want he didn't want to be Ant Man anymore. He just wanted to be a regular Joe. He just wanted to protect his family. He didn't care about anybody else. That's not really superhero like. Um, and then Kang threatens his family. He doesn't care about everybody else. Like he's an Avenger, but he doesn't care about everybody else. Um, it just I, I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it. And then. Kang shows up, right? Finally, you know, 60 minutes into the movie, you know, a good hour into the movie, Kang finally shows up. And then he just blow like you should have brought him from the beginning. Like he should have like like he really just everything that Jonathan Majors did in that movie was menacing and it felt bigger than what this movie was. Um, you know, it, it, it felt like he was just the wrong villain for the wrong movie, but the right villain for everything moving forward. Like, I, I got so hype about the prospect of the Kang Dynasty, the prospect of secret invasion, the secret wars, like all these different things that we got coming up, I got so hyped about. And then this movie really almost ruined all of it for me because we get to the very end, right? We get to this final boss fight, and he brought it. Like, he didn't really... He And hopefully, you know, we do see this variant of Kang in the future. I don't think that he was killed at the end of this movie. Um, but... You know, they, they get to the final fight and he beats the, like, he gives, you know, Scott Lang one of those invincible type beatings. And somehow, you know, Scott Lang uses his smarts um, to outwit him and send him into the quantum, quantum realm, which just, that didn't make any sense to me. Um, uh, you know, there's a scene where, uh, they finally get this door open to go home, and Scott pushes his whole family through, and then he gets trapped in the quantum realm. And then the Wasp comes back, and they fight off Kang, and they defeat him. 
But then the door opens up again. Like, I thought they were going to be stuck in a quantum realm, and I would have been fine with that. I really would have been fine with that. And then, you know, the daughter and the family moving forward, uh, that really adds to the story. But then the door opens, and Scott's back at home, and it's just like everything was all good. And it just... Yeah, it just didn't work for me, man. It really didn't. And then the post credit scenes with all the different Kangs, I don't want to see them. I want to see the ass-beating Kang. I want to see that variant that should not have lost to Ant-Man. There's absolutely no reason. This dude is from the future. He's seen every type of future. He should know every type of fighting style. There's not. There's no way on the planet Paul Rudd Ant-Man, Scott Lang should have beaten this dude. Literally, it just literally makes zero sense. I don't care how much hero, uh, you know, heroic energy you have in your body. I don't care how much you love your family. There's a, a certain level of skill that if somebody else has and you don't have, you lose. Like, we can, I mean, this whole idea of, of man, you could, hey, everybody... It's totally different when we're talking about uh, Captain America, like because he is a very skilled and just elite level fighter uh, because of his fighting experience. The Ant-Man grows to large sizes, he shrinks to very small sizes, and he has a very limited moveset. He has a very limited skill set when it comes to fighting because he doesn't have to do all that extra stuff. He jumps... Turn small, punches you in the face, and then and then like, you know, ricochets around and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I just I wasn't feeling it. Jonathan Majors would have washed him in any in any aspect of life, and in the fact that that Kang lost at the end of this movie, uh, when he's supposed to be the big bad, and you know he said he killed Thor, and you get washed by Ant Man, just not buying it. It just it really ruined the movie for me. There are a lot of people who liked it. I did not like it. Um, but we move on, right? But I mean, Jonathan Majors is just uh, completely amazing in this movie. I, I, every scene he was in, he just elevated the scene. Like every every part of the movie he was in, he just elevated it um, to the part where I almost liked it, and then. You have Modoc who who really ruined the movie for me. It was just a stupid gag, a stupid placement of of, of Modoc. Um, you know they could have saved him for anything else, um, but they dropped him in there. It was Corey Stoll, you know, it was Darren, and then that whole running joke. It, it, it was just a complete missed opportunity with this movie. They tried. They marvelized the movie to the point where it just wasn't as entertaining as it could have been. You know, not saying it had to be a dark, it didn't have to be the Batman, but it didn't have to be what it was either. Um, so Ant-Man and Wasp definitely got two thumbs down for me. Um, I just wasn't feeling it. Other than Jonathan Majors, you know, almost saving it, you know, Ant-Man and, Ant-Man and Wasp was just a wash for me. Um, just n- not my favorite Marvel movie. Not the worst one, uh, but it's in the bottom three. And we're going to move off of that. Um, and enough, enough of dumping on that, man. Uh, but let's talk about Creed 3, right? 
So I went and saw Creed 3 last night. I did drop the ride home review for Creed 3. And not much has changed since yesterday, right? I do like to do these ride home reviews because I love uh, to give like my initial visceral, um, you know, uh, thoughts on the movie, right? I love that high of walking out of a movie theater, you know, wanting to pump your fist, kind of like Eddie Murphy used to say with Rocky, how people would leave out of the movie theaters, uh, you know. Uh, you know, all hyped up after watching Rocky. And I felt that way after watching Creed 3, right? Because there were so many layers to Creed 3. And I'm not going to spoil everything, but it's really not much to spoil. We know the story uh, from the previews, right? You got Adonis Creed, um, the world heavyweight champion. The movie starts out with Creed fighting in, in his last fight, right? He's fighting his last fight, uh, heavyweight title defense, and he unifies the you know, the title in his last fight, he knocks the guy out. Uh, Conlon, I guess he uh, a callback from the first movie. Um, and he knocks him out. And he is the undisputed world heavyweight champion. And then he retires. Um, and he starts, uh, uh, he starts his boxing gym. You know, he kind of upscales his boxing gym. And, uh, you know, he starts a new life right and it's the life after boxing and you know his daughter's older now him and him and tessa thompson you know they've been married for a while now and and he's trying to figure out his lane and his lane of course he becomes a promoter kind of like oscar de la hoya um and he starts promoting fights and uh then his his childhood friend you know one of the kids he grew up with in a group home um, Damian Anderson gets out of jail and he finds him um, and, you know, asks Michael B. Jordan to give him a shot because he was a Golden Gloves champion. He went into jail. He was one of the top boxers in L.A. before he went to jail. And, um, you know, through a, a series of events, um, you know, he becomes the top contender for the heavyweight championship. Uh, and he goes into that fight, and he mauls the heavyweight champion. And by mauling him, I mean he was using some dirty fight tactics, and, and he knocked this dude clean out, sent him to the hospital. Uh, and then calamity ensues, right? You know, he, he starts really feeling himself, and uh, there's this really, really powerful scene with him him and Adonis Creed, uh, you know, where where... Adonis confronts him and I mean he shows him you know and and this is once again this is Jonathan Majors um this was his club Lang moment where you know he just kind of showed who he was and who he was was like dude you you're always my little brother and I will destroy you in the ring and every part of me believed that Creed was gonna get knocked out in in this last fight like part of me was rooting for Damien Diamond Dame as he was called uh Damien Anderson man I was really rooting for him right he and not that saying that he you know he had these high values and high morals but like I don't know he just reminded me more of of somebody I know than Adonis Creed did right because at this point he's this rich guy he has this beautiful house beautiful family and not saying you know that that makes you a bad person 
uh, just makes you unrelatable to me, right? And I mean, I have a beautiful family. I have a beautiful house, too. I just don't have the mansion that he had. Um, but uh, it just, um, his relatability, you know, everybody, you know, you got soft. And then there was this uh, these other threads of family, you know, where um, the whole contention, and I'm not going to spoil that part of the movie, uh, but the whole contentious part of this movie really was survivor's remorse, right? Um, you know, he went from nothing. Uh, you know, Apollo Creed was his father, but Apollo Creed didn't give him anything. You know, he we started Creed 1, you know, he was getting out of jail. Um, you know, he was getting out of juvenile detention or whatever it was. Um, you know, he didn't come from that, but then he got that. You know, he became the heavyweight champion of the world. He he became a titan of industry. And, and you know, he left that old life behind. And Damien represented that old life. And he comes back in his life. And, and now all of those dark memories start resurfacing. And he was a child. Like, he was a scared kid. You know, he was a hurt kid. He had a lot of things that he needed to unpack. And what I really did love about this movie is how much of a wife Tessa Thompson was, right? And it wasn't. She really, um, their family dynamic was so big in this movie. And it was so different than Adrian and Rocky. I remember Rocky Four and Adrian infamously yelling at Rocky saying you can't win and Tessa Thompson at no point in time would she ever tell her man that he couldn't win when it was time for him to challenge and by this time I mean this guy's retired uh, in his late 30s and and, and you know athletically uh, anytime you, you when you pass your prime and nobody thinks you can win anything, but she was his rock, right? She was always there for him, and it was very contentious because she wanted the best for him, and, and I really appreciated appreciated that about this movie, as being a husband, as being a father, um, you know that whole family dynamic of the movie, and I think that was actually the best part of the movie to me, how she really held him down. And how great of a person she was, you know, uh, how great of a wife she was, how great of a woman she was for him, you know, and, and not standing behind him, but standing right next to him, you know, at his fights, pumping him up, you know, always there, like being his coach, man, being his, being his best friend, being, you know, what a wife is supposed to be. Um, and it, it was just really, really um, great seeing that on the screen and this young lady who played his daughter was so amazing I mean it, just that whole family dynamic in the movie really elevated it to me it wasn't just a boxing movie but it was a movie about family it was a movie about black family it was a movie about you know generations generational pain um, you know and, and a lot of it was that survivor's remorse um, and it, it really did show and it really elevated the hell out of this movie for me. You know, the scenes where, you know, uh, Creed, his wife, and his daughter were together, it felt so natural, it felt so real, and it really just um, made the movie a lot better for me. And then, of course, the fight scenes. Every single boxing match in this movie felt really great. Like, it, it looked really great. It was stylized that, you know, um, that first 
the the first fight, the the last fight, um, everything had this real music video style to it um, that some people might not like, but I really did enjoy. Um, you know, I really did uh, I did enjoy the hell out of this movie. Um, everybody in it was fantastic. I don't think anyone in this movie, you know, uh, phoned it in. I think everybody went into this movie wanting to make it a classic. And I think this movie really pushes Creed, you know, into one of the top trilogies of mine. Um, even though I hear that, you know, Michael B. Jordan said he wants to continue to make these movies. Um, you know, where they go from here, who knows, man? Like, uh, the, the sky's the limit. Uh, but this was just a phenomenal movie. If you have a chance to go see Creed, I would definitely go see it. And I would love to hear everybody's thoughts on on what they thought uh, that Creed was. Uh, you know, is it as good as I think it is? I think so. You know, a day later, I'm still on a high. I'm still thinking about how amazing everyone in this movie was. I'm still thinking about the visuals of the movie, how beautifully it was shot, like just the different colors, just the different styles of each one of the fights in the movie. Uh, and then Jonathan Majors, man. He, I mean, Clubber Lang has always been my, my favorite Rocky um, opponent. Uh, but but Diamond Dame, man, I, I mean, like, he he had that whole George, uh, uh, the Joe Frazier, you know, uh, what did they, I can't remember what he called the blocking technique. Like, it was a very Philly thing, um, you know. Uh, it, it, it just was, it was a dope movie. Like it was everybody in it really just uh, just really brought it. And I'm really glad that it was made. I'm really glad it finally came out and it was as good as I thought it was going to be and even better. And Jonathan Majors continues this year. He has another movie coming out uh, this year called Magazine Dreams. He plays a bodybuilder. Not exactly sure too much uh, about, you know, anything else about the movie but i'm definitely going to check it out because i mean this guy is just he's a star he is a mega star um you know i just hope he continues to uh to do his thing i heard he's he's playing dennis rodman it might be the nose <laughs> uh, but he's playing dennis rodman in an in upcoming movie called 48 hours in vegas about the infamous time where Vin, uh, dennis rodman got on his bike Left the Chicago Bulls facility and went to Vegas for a binger for 48 hours with Madonna and Carmen Electra and all these other people. Uh, so, I mean, Jonathan Major's star is just going to continue to rise. Dude is an absolute stud. He has the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, riding, riding on him moving forward. And I, I think he's well up to the task. He showed that in Loki. He showed that in Ant-Man and Wasp. And I think he's going to continue to show that as long as they keep writing good movies. Um, I think he is going to uh, continue to be a great star uh, in the MCU. So we're going to move on from Jonathan Majors right now for the third and final movie we're going to review. Uh, last week, I went and saw Cocaine Bear. That was the most anticipated movie of mine for the year 2023. And I will say now that I've had some time to digest it, I'm a little bit disappointed, right? And don't get me wrong, I actually I absolutely loved the movie. Uh, it was completely ridiculous, but it wasn't utterly ridiculous. 
And what I mean by that is I think Elizabeth Banks, I love her as a filmmaker, right? I really do. Um, Pitch Perfect, all the Pitch Perfect movies, the Charlie's Angels reboot that a lot of people panned. I actually liked. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it it was a solid movie. Um, But just with the Charlie's Angels, I think she took this a little too seriously, and what I mean by that is it, this is not a serious movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I expected a little more zaniness, right? Um, this movie was a little bit of everything. It was a little bit of comedy. It was a little bit of uh, action. It was a little bit of drama. It was a little bit of horror. It was a little bit of everything. Like they say, if you're a jack of all trades, you become a master of none. So it really didn't nail any of those things. It had some amazing kills. I will say that. The the uh, ambulance scene was very, uh, very, very different. Um, and... Uh, you know the the fight scene in the bathroom, like it, it was a it was a lot of different things going on in this movie. You know, it had kids, uh, had kids doing coke, which is absolutely funny, and that that doesn't sound like that's funny at all. But you have to watch the movie to understand what I'm talking about. It was hilarious. I thought that was really a funny part of the movie. Um, it just it had so much of everything. It just didn't really master any of those things. Um, it, it really didn't it didn't nail any of those things to the point where, you know, and this will become a cult classic because it was it's about a bear doing cocaine. Like like the whole premise of the movie is just funny, but I think it could have it could have really, really went into the absurd. I think it tried to ground itself. I think she really did try to make a solid movie and in turn kinda missed an opportunity to make it into like a an instant classic because this could have definitely been that because it's about a bear who did cocaine like let's just leave realism out of this you you've already i mean the story is not true anyway like none of that stuff really happened the bear did cocaine and overdosed and died so now just make the insane movie that just puts it way over the top it was over the top but it wasn't way over the top like I said, it was it was completely ridiculous, but it wasn't utterly ridiculous. It could have definitely uh, gone off the rails, and I think that's what it really needed. Uh, it was really sad seeing Ray Liotta on screen, you know, uh, for one of his last performances. Um, I, I have a, I do struggle uh, watching actors, especially actors that I grew up uh, watching. Um, when they pass away, it's really hard for me to watch them on screen. Like it's really hard for me to go back and watch Black Panther, or Avengers: Endgame, or Infinity War, or, or Civil War with Chadwick Boseman. Like it's really, really hard for me to do that, um, just because they they're gone. It's like any movie with Brittany Murphy as well. Like uh, you know, uh, Just Married, one of one of the funniest movies. I I really did love that movie. But it's just hard for me to go back and watch her movies. Um, not exactly sure why. Might be just a me thing. Um, but that's just that. That's just my thing. It's just hard for me to watch people, especially who I grew up watching. You know, when they pass away. Um, but yeah, Cocaine Bear. Like it was. It was. It was a good movie. It just could have been great. I think it was a missed opportunity to be great. To to become like that true cult classic. Um, 
you know, and people are still gonna watch this movie. It was it it was silly, um, but it just it just kind of tried to do too much, and didn't really nail it all. You know, it didn't really complete the task. It didn't really close the circle. Um, but once again, you know, it was a good movie. Uh, but yeah, that those are my reviews for the last few weeks. You know, I probably did watch a few other movies uh, in between them, but I can't think of them right now. What I am thinking about is the blackening. <laughs> so I watched this preview for the movie The Blackening. I did drop that on the Have You Seen That with Tia uh, Facebook group, and man, this movie looks zany, right? A whole bunch of black people, and the the tagline of the movie is. The tagline of the movie is "Every everyone can't die, or we all can't die first. Because that was like one of the lines in the in the uh, in the trailers, like you know, the black person always dies first. But a cast of all black people, like they all can't die first. That, that is pretty damn funny. Uh, and the whole movie is kind of like a Jumanji type thing or a Saw. It's like a mix between Jumanji and Saw. These kids go into a cabin in the woods. A whole bunch of black kids go in the cabin in the woods, um, and they and they stumble into a room, and it has this game called a blackening. And it's like this, they open it up, and it's like uh, the game of life. But the in the middle, it's like the dude in blackface, and then like the guy, this guy pops up on the TV screen with a mask on, talking about, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna start killing off you guys one by one," and. It's gonna prepare on Juneteenth. That that I did that was confirmed, and that's just hilarious. Like I mean, come on, like it, this this is a good year for black horror. We had Fear, um, which was a solid horror movie. I mean, we're getting another black horror movie in 2023. I think uh, I think we uh, Jordan Peele opened the door, um, and a lot of people are stepping through. Right, a lot of people are stepping through, and this blackening movie looks damn funny. Uh, it looks funny. It it looks like it. I, I hope it's. I mean, it could be the black cabin in the woods. Who knows? I I think it's moving toward more towards that, uh, aimed directly at black people, and I'm here for it. I can't wait to see this movie. Uh, we definitely need to show up and show out at the blackening, just like we did at Black Panther. Like show up, but show don't show up at all. Please don't show up in no southern, uh, you know, uh, blackface and nothing like that. That's not funny. Let's not do that. But let's show up as black people to to support this black movie, so we can get more black horror movies made, right? So we don't continue to die at the opening credits. Um, so we could just run out of there, right? Cause y'all know we out. Like, we not about all this other BS. That's what I find funny is once the malarkey starts, I'm gone. <laughs> like, like I'm not going to die first. I'm just out of here. Like, in the second screen, Dwayne Martin survived it because he just dipped. So, yeah, uh, that has me excited. Um, I'm really, really excited about that movie. There are a few other movies that are that are coming out um, that I can't think of right now because it's kind of late. And I think on that note, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, you know, this episode was definitely dedicated to Jonathan Majors. Next week's episode, we're going to talk about the Oscars. I'm going to spend the next week 
trying to watch all of the best picture um, nominees. If you know me, you already know what movie I, I think is going to win. The movie that's been sweeping all the awards, everything, everywhere, all at once. My number one movie of 2022. Um, it deserves every award that it can win. Um, every actor in that movie deserves every award they can win. Um, I, I look forward to watching some of these other movies um, that are nominated, but I mean, I already have my winner. I will be so I will, I'm gonna be so elated when they do win. If any other movie wins, if Elvis wins Best Picture of the Year, it will once again let me know that the Oscars are trash. Um, I don't really hold too much stock into Oscar wins for Best Picture and Best Actress and all that other stuff because 90% of the time they get it wrong. And it could be because I'm not a filmmaker and I'm not like an elitist or anything like that, but I don't really enjoy most of those movies that are nominated. Um, you know, every every other year, you know, a lot of the some of the movies that win, you know, I'm still upset that La La Land didn't win. Uh, that was one of my favorite movies the year it did come out. Um, I, but I'm also glad that Birdman did win because I thought Birdman was a superb movie. Um, but some of these other movies, the artists and stuff like that, like they just, yeah, no, I'm good. Shakespeare and Love and stuff like that. No, I'm good. Uh, but next next week we are going to break down the Oscars um, and all the nominees and and I'll give my picks and I'll give a few alternative uh, winners, some people who I think should have been nominated um, for some of these awards and give give them their flowers for uh, my best actress, my best supporting actors, and all those type things, and my favorite original song. Uh, for these movies, uh, for the movies in 2022. But on that note, I will definitely end it now. I do hope everyone has a wonderful week. Go see Creed 3. Um, go check out Cocaine Bear. Uh, let me know what y'all think of those two movies, man. I'm really, really excited to hear what people think about Creed because I think it is definitely going to be one of uh, the best movies of 2023. It's definitely already in my top 10 list. And it's going to be really hard to knock that movie out of it. And on that note, I will catch y'all next week.